Are you overwhelmed? Exhausted? Are there expectations on you to perform, to be all you can be, that are just too much for you? Your own expectations are great. They're off the charts. But then others come along with their expectations, and if you don't live up to them all, then you failed. And then there's the church, and then there's God's call on you to go out and change the world. Today at the Radio Backyard Fence, our guest has some good news. He has a liberating message. And I think part of it is encouraging me to hang on to the sovereignty of God in my life. He wants you to hear and remember and live three words. And I'll tell you what they are straight ahead on Chris Fabry Live. Welcome to our daily conversation. This could be a good one. Somebody needs to hear this. I think it's me. So let's get going. First, let me thank our team. Ryan McConaughey is doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Gabby T is in the chair today. Josie and Laura will be answering your calls. And also want to thank the team of people who support this program. We are less than a week from the end of the month. We are hurtling toward our deadline for you to receive that practical, helpful book by Dana White, Organizing for the Rest of Us. If you've given, thank you. If you haven't, listen to this. If clutter has clobbered you. If you say there is no hope for an orderly home or office or kitchen or bedroom or garage, Dana has dozens of strategies to help you keep your house under control. Get it and keep it. You can clobber clutter. And I want to send it to you before the holidays and the new year begins when we always think about, you know, organizing our life and getting things under control. You have to click through or call us soon, though, because the deadline's coming. 866-95-FABRY is our number. Or go to chrisfabrylive.org. I'm seeing messages like this. Please pray that I can get free from the bondage of my clutter. I really think there is a spiritual component to this in a lot of people's lives. I see it in my own. I'm struggling just like you are. So would love to send you a copy, 866-953-2279. Give a gift of any size. We'll send you organizing for the rest of us. Or you can go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. And thanks for your support at the Radio Backyard Fence. Drew Dick is an editor at Moody Publishers, former managing editor of Leadership Journal. He's written several books, including one we've talked about here, Your Future Self Will Thank You. Drew's work has been featured in Christianity Today and Relevant, CNN.com. He lives with his wife, Grace, and their three children near Portland, Oregon. His latest, and here are the three words. Are you ready for these three words? These are the ones you got to remember. Just show up. Subtitled, How Small Acts of Faithfulness Change Everything. He says it's a guide for exhausted Christians. Is that you? Hey, Drew, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, grateful to be back with you. Excited for this conversation. I'm excited, too, because as I was telling you before we went on here, I, I think the subtext, as I'm going through the different chapters, the subtext is you really can trust God. You really can trust His sovereignty in the world, and especially in your life. Am I getting it? Yeah, I think we don't have a choice, <laughs> you know, because when you think of all the things that, all the demands on your time and attention and energy, if it's if it's up to you to do everything and to do it perfectly, guess what? It's never going to happen. And mm-hmm. so that's where the trust in God comes in, because we do what we can, you know, we just show up uh, for the people around us, for our family, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our church, but we have to trust in God to do what only he can. That's liberating to me. 
where did this come? What was the spark? Every book starts with a spark. What what was the spark for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, I think it was born out of a bit of a midlife crisis. Uh, so I was thinking back to uh, my uh, 20s when my gr- wife, Grace, and I uh, went to seminary. And back then, man, we had these big, grandiose ideas of how we were going to change the world for God. And um, it was a fun time. You know, we were looking ahead. I remember conversations we'd have where I'd say to Grace, you know, I don't want the American dream. You know, let someone else, uh, you know, chase the the white picket fence and have 2.5 children. We're going to do something radical. We're going to do something different. Here I am, 18 years later, I live in the suburbs. I drive a minivan. Uh, I, I don't have 2.5 children. I have three. <laughs> so the question that kind of became, <laughs> uh, I don't have a white picket fence, but I totally get one. Um, but the question then becomes, okay, God, what does faithfulness look like now? And it was really clarifying. Grace asked me a question at one point. She said, who are the people that you most admired or that you most admire? And, and as I listed off the people I most admire, I realized that none of them were famous. None of them had changed the world per se, um, but they were faithful. Like one of them was a, a small church pastor who uh, was diagnosed with a debilitating illness, but kept serving God in spite of that. Another one was someone who ran a soup kitchen. She lost her husband, but kept feeding the homeless. And I thought, why do I admire these people? Because they were faithful. They just kept showing up, even when life punched them in the face. And I thought, man, that's what I'm going to repeat to myself when I'm tired, when I'm discouraged. Drew, you can just show up. And it's all through this book, and there are different permutations of it. And I think that's what I want to do to our listeners today. And then let's let's use this as a litmus test. Let's see if you have touched a nerve here, Drew, because I think you have. If it's true that God wants us to, quote-unquote, just show up, then there's probably somebody listening today who has had this happen to them and Part of what you've written about is the the presence, the actual physical presence of people. Why is that physical presence so important, do you think? Well, I think it's especially important in our time, right, where we're uh, so connected through uh, digital devices, uh, which isn't the same, right? Uh, there's and, and I think back to the hardest times of my life, and if you're listening to this, I think you can probably agree, you may or may not remember what someone said to you, the advice they gave you. But I bet you, you remember one thing with perfect clarity, and that is who was there, who was actually physically present for you in those hard times. Um, One story I tell in the the book is about Beethoven, the composer. There's a great story about him where, you know, he he found conversation difficult and awkward because he was deaf, but he heard that a friend of his had lost his son. And Beethoven hurries to the guy's house and he gets there. He doesn't know what to say, but he sees a piano in the room. And for half an hour, he just pours out his grief through music. And then he just doesn't even say a word and goes home. And the friend later remarks that no other visit was as meaningful. And I'd love that because, you know, Beethoven could have stayed home. He could have been like, Hey, listen, this isn't my bag. I don't really, I'm not really eloquent. We'll let someone else comfort this guy, but he showed up, he offered what he could. And I think that's a good lesson for us because you may not have the right words to say to someone, you may not know what to do, but just by being physically present, that's huge. And I think that God always puts a piano in the room, right? Some way that we can specifically bless someone. And sometimes you don't know what it is until you get there. So yeah, I just want to encourage, especially for people that are going through a hard time, man, show up. There's nothing like it. Well, Beethoven was just being Beethoven. He was just being himself, 
by by using his gift, his talent at music to kind of fill in the the cracks in the in the broken hearts in that room. Um, and so I, I think what you're saying is it's okay to be who you are, wherever you are, just make sure you show up. So that's my question for you as you listen right now there. I want one person to call me and tell me who showed up for you. What was the situation that you were going through? Maybe it's a grief situation. Maybe it's a, a loss situation. I think most people identify with that. Or, you know, there's something else. Maybe you'd made a, a big mistake in your life, and there was one person who showed up for you. What was the situation, and what did that person say or do? And maybe they didn't say anything. Maybe they just showed up. 877-548-3675. Is there anybody listening who had somebody just show up? Tell me about it. 877-548-3675. You'll see more about Drew Dick's book, Just Show Up, at chrisfabrylive.org. I was just telling our guest, Dr. Uh, Dr. Drew Dick. You've got an honorary doctorate from us now, Drew. Uh, I was just it. telling <laughs> Drew that... There was an old missionary to India who said something I never forgot. Your greatest ability is your availability. And that's part of what we're talking about today. Just show up how small acts of faithfulness change everything. And the question for you is who showed up for you? Who just showed up for you? Because there's a lot of, of this that's going around, Drew, about changing the world, about of do everything you can now. I've saw, seen it in the you know, few years ago. Let's let's get to the 1040 window and let's get the gospel to that unreached people by whatever year it was at the time, uh, which is not a bad goal. But the it's it's all up to us. It's all on our shoulders. We got to do it all all ourselves, and that can be crushing, can't it? Yeah. For me anyway, that kind of stuff is, you know, it's supposed to be inspiring. Sometimes it is, but it can also be uh, paralyzing because you think, man, if this is up to me. Um, and of course, I think God wants us to use us to do these incredible things, to change the world. And yet um, only he, through his power can mm. do that. And and the good news is for me, at least our tiny little acts of faithfulness, he can use those. That's enough. You see it all throughout scripture, right? It's the, the little boy who br- brings the loaves and fishes and Jesus multiplies it and feeds people or the servants that fill up the jar with the jars with water. And then Jesus turns it to wine. So when we do, you know, what we can, when we're available and when we just show up for people, I think God does what only he can. And so that's exciting and it's freeing. It kind of lowers the bar for you a little bit. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the expertise. You just have to be available. Well, And it's you tell these stories of Old and New Testaments, but also stories of real people who, to a person with all of these great biographies of missionaries and pastors and others, it's like th- these were just real, real ordinary people, right? That's right. Yeah, I talk about William Carey, of course, the father and the father of modern missions uh, to India. And you look at what he accomplished, and it's pretty amazing. It's like, okay, he founded all these orphanages. He he translated the Bible uh, into Sanskrit. He you know he preached. He did all these incredible things. And yet, 
what he says, I love the quote from him. He says, I have no special talent or skill, but I can plod. <laughs> and so if you zoomed in on any one day of, of his life, you'd see a plotter. You'd see someone sitting there with ink-stained hands, translating the Bible or, or, or preaching, even though it took six years before he got his first convert, right? And so that's the beauty of, of a kind of a ordinary faithfulness, of applauding perseverance, is that it adds up over time and God uses it to do amazing things. And the other ingredient is the dependence on God. You know, it's, I can't do, I don't have this um, in my, in myself. I need your help. So let me, let me take your, some of your calls and Drew's going to respond to these as well. Gary's in Chattanooga. Gary, why did you call today? Who showed up for you? Uh, seventh grade guidance counselor, Mr. Tomlinson. I'd uh, just, well, he's no longer with us, but I'd love to thank him in person. Uh, I was uh, entering the seventh grade and uh, coming through the typical uh, boy, puberty, adolescence, could care less about anything. And he sat me down and said, Gary, I got you got a decision to make. Either you want to proceed to do nothing with your life or you want to follow the abilities that God gave you as evidenced by your test scores. And uh, I pondered it for a while. And actually, I was in some pretty... Uh, back to, in those days, they had classes based on your academic performance, and I was in the bottom group. And uh, anyway, I thought about it for a while and decided to take his challenge. And it was a turning point in my life academically as well as uh, just my life in general. That, that was the word that I was thinking of. He he challenged you. He He saw more in you than you saw in yourself, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Drew, what do you think? Man, that's good. Gary, thank you for sharing. Um, isn't that amazing how just, you know, especially in your formative years, how someone can speak into your life, see something in you that you didn't, and it makes a huge difference. So that is such a cool story. It's funny. I have a similar story. I was in fifth grade, just doing terribly in school, especially math. And I had a teacher, Mr. Kwasney, and he gave up his lunch hours for a month or two just to kind of get me up to speed on math. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, no, I'm dumb. I can't do this stuff. He's like, no, Drew, you're smart. And that was like the first time someone was like, Hey, you're smart. You can do this. And it makes a huge difference. And so, yeah, I encourage people, you know, a lot of people feel like, man, I don't have this broad influence. I don't have some kind of platform. And yet, if you think about the young people, especially the God's placed in your life, in your church, in your neighborhood, or if you're a teacher, I mean, you have an incredible opportunity to speak into people's lives, to show up for them, at the most crucial time in their life. And that, as we've heard, can make a huge difference. It is, it can be the difference in, you know, two roads diverged in a wood. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can be the person that is able to allow, but it takes that daily plotting. I, I want to talk more about that, uh, but Sarah's joining us from Indiana. Sarah, who just showed up for you? Well, um, we had a fire, and our house burned down, and we lost three of our children in the fire. And one of the first people that was at our house the very next day um, was a dear friend who had worked with me for several years. And she just came and sat beside me as I cried, and and she brought practical gifts, underwear and a bra, something I needed, because I had, you know, escaped through the window of the house and with nothing to wear but a bathrobe, so... That was a very practical way of way of helping. She could have made an excuse and said, "I'm not sure what size she is. I'm not sure what color she wants," but she just brought me what was needed. You know. Wow. 
Wow. And the presence there too, Sarah, what did it mean for her to just sit down beside of you? Oh, well, not only she, but a lot of people would sit and just listen, listen to our grief, listen to our memories. Uh, One woman named Kathy, um, her, she had a child in kindergarten with my kindergartner. And she went through some of her pictures from different programs at school and looked for pictures that had my child in them. Because obviously when your house burned down, you lose your children and all of your treasures you've ever accumulated from them. So those were real gifts of love. And the people that would invite us to eat and knowing we were going to cry all the way through dinner, knowing it was going to be painful, knowing it was going to be awkward, would nevertheless be willing to just sit with us and listen. That's amazing. Okay, so uh, how long ago was this, Sarah? Well, it's been about 30 years now, so it doesn't tear me up as badly as it did. I still have a tear rolling down my cheeks, but I'm, I'm not as deeply wounded as I was. It took a long time. And, you know, we Americans don't really give people much room and space for grieving. We kind of like everyone to, you know, buck up and get on with life. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with a lot of Spanish-speaking people, and they know how to grieve and to celebrate death days and um, keep the memories of their loved ones alive. Uh, they don't, you know, push it under the carpet and try to just, you know, hold their head up and go on. So I've learned a lot from that culture, too. The one thing that I've heard, Drew, I promise I'm going to give you a chance here. This is so deep, though. Uh, mm. to, to speak the names, tell me the, the names of your three children that you lost. Mm. Megan, Lisa, and Johnny. They were nine and six and five. Wow. Fortunately, I had one surviving child who was at an overnight for a church. It was on New Year's Eve. And uh, so that surviving child gave me someone to live for and to keep going for. Yeah. And, and yeah. after 30 years, then, the pain, the pain isn't as intense, but it's still there. You never really get yeah. over, right? Well, right, but you can be happy again, and you can be productive, and you can go on and enjoy life. And sometimes you may even say their names and say, oh, I wish you could see this butterfly with me, you know, um, because you remember what they would love and what they did and the, the things you shared. But thank goodness for our memories, right? Amen. Oh, Sarah, thank yeah. you. Drew, Drew jump wow. in here. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep it together here. Sarah, thank you for sharing that. That That is so heartbreaking, and I'm so sorry. Um, and I, I have uh, children that are similar ages, I, uh, 11, 9, and 5. And so, wow. Um, but thanks for sharing. And again, there are no words for something like that, but that's the point. You had people that just by their presence made a difference during that tragic loss. And um I think that just shows how, you know, I think a lot of people, especially because it's awkward when someone's gone through something really hard, you think I'm going to let someone else deal with that. I'm not really trained in that. I'm not a counselor. I don't have the words to say. And yet just showing up and giving them some practical help is huge. Another thing, a misstep I think a lot of people make, and, and I've certainly made it is to say, let me know if you need anything, you know, send them a text or a message. Um, they don't know what they need maybe in that moment. Uh, and it's awkward for them to have to kind of initiate that. But if you can just kind of come, bring a meal, sit with them in silence, um, as as we've heard, 
that that is a huge thing. Well, you have to think, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. You got to think of this other person. And that's what her friend did who brought uh, underwear, basically undergarments that she didn't have and take the risk that you might get the wrong size. It's okay. It's all right. You're mm-hmm. thinking, you're thinking well of that other person. You're, and that shows empathy and that's, you're putting yourself in their place. And the thing that I've done, Drew, and, and maybe you've uh, felt this way too, is I, I got, I got to come up with something to say. You know, I got to, I got to come up with a verse. I got to come up with a thing that's going to comfort. And what I'm doing is I'm not thinking of them. I'm thinking of me. You know, I got to yeah. I got to come up with something that's going to make me feel better to make them feel better, but I'm really it's all about me and so just showing up when you don't know what to say allows the the presence to have its effect and to trust God that everything you know just become comfortable with that silence is really hard, isn't it? It is. And actually sometimes when you do formulate something that you think is is great to say or or especially if you take a stab at at giving a theological reason for why they're experiencing this, you can do more harm than good. There's exactly. uh, nothing so off-putting or uh, when you're when you're really hurting is someone who's got an answer for you. Uh, and so I think often it's better just to kind of be present and let them take the lead and be there and meet their needs. Sarah, thanks again. Uh, Megan, Lisa, and Johnny, I think it was. <sighs> you just have to kind of sit there and and, and come down from that because— What she just talked about was a world-changing thing for her. It was a very small thing, but it did change her world. But I think most of the time we we think, you know, changing the world is some great, you know, it's an evangelistic outreach, millions of people, that kind of thing. It only takes one to make a big difference, doesn't it? That's right. And it's rarely something we do alone. You know, when you hear these stories, you see, I'm always really encouraged to hear about churches, especially, you know, bodies of, of brothers and sisters in Christ who just swarm someone who's going through something hard, or they do something together that they could never do alone. Um, and that, that's, that's what it's all about. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we carry other people, sometimes they carry us. I remember hearing a pastor, um, you know, start a service in an unusual way. He extended an invitation. He said, maybe you're here this morning and you're too weak to worship. You know, he said, that's okay. You don't have to let us worship for you. Let us carry, let the body of Christ carry you during this time. And I thought that's beautiful. And and that's what happens when we show up for each other. Just show up. How small acts of faithfulness change everything. Drew Dick has written this. You can find it at our website, chrisfabrylive.org. There's a lot more to talk about. Let me go to Amy in Wisconsin. Hi, Amy. Go right ahead. Hi, how are you? I'm sorry. I'm so emotional from that last caller. My goodness. (laughs) You and me both. I have four children. I can't imagine losing one, much less three, my goodness. Anyway, um, I just wanted to speak about, this goes all the way back to 2004. Um, I was in the throes of the busiest, probably one of the busiest mom times of my life. I had children from the ages of three all the way up to 13 in three different schools and, you know, and still at home and really, really um, overwhelming time. And I um, just randomly began having these, this really odd health issue where I was having these silent seizures and my body would just kind of go limp and um, I couldn't speak. Um, My mouth would clench shut. It was just a very odd condition and it came out of nowhere seemingly. And I was hospitalized for a bit of time and, um, and then it took 
a little bit of time to get a diagnosis and kind of figure out what was going on. In the meantime, I I had a driving restriction and I had to quit working my part-time jobs and I just kind of had to stop moving my world. And I had a wonderful network of friends that kind of stepped on in, in the school moms and they, you know, got my kids back and forth to school and all of that. And I was so grateful. But I had this one particular friend, um, Darcy, who, oh, I'm sorry. It's so emotional. She is a beautiful sister in Christ. She's not the friend who ever knows what to say. She's not a speaker. She's not a talker. She's a great listener. And I talk a lot. And she just listens. She doesn't really ever have a lot to come back with. And she didn't come to me and say, what can I do? Oh, here, 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 here. She wasn't that overwhelming presence of, I'm going to do all these things for you. She just came over and, and was with me. And I remember at one point in this process saying, you know, I just want to take a shower. And when I was having these seizures, I would, my body would go limp. I would fall if I were standing. And so I had to always like sort of anticipate the onset and then kind of sit down and make sure that I was safe. And so I'm like, I can't, I'm afraid to be in the bathroom by myself. I'm afraid that I'll fall in the shower. And she said, okay, well, I got you. And, you know, as awkward as it was, she'd never seen me naked. I was like, okay, are you sure? She's like, yep, I got you. I'll just come in there and you just let me know if you feel something happening. I got you. And I got through, I don't know how many showers just by her standing there. And she did literally physically have to support me with her physical being. She had to hold me up for the few seconds or a minute that it would take for the seizure to pass um, while I was in the shower. And she just would, she's much Amy, taller than me and she supported me. That is the perfect illustration of what we're talking about. She supported me when I couldn't hold myself up. Thank you for your call. Hang on, I want to talk with you in the break. Just Show Up is by our guest, Drew Dick. Find out more at chrisfabrylive.org. We're talking about just showing up today at the back fence, the power of persistent presence. You know who showed up today ready to answer a phone call? A CareNet counselor. Since 2008, more than a million babies have been saved through the ministry of CareNet. They call what they do pro-abundant life because they're for the baby, no question, but they're also for the pregnant mother and the father of the child. A man like Mario, who grew up with a dad, well, his dad wasn't the ideal father. So when Mario's girlfriend got pregnant, Mario wanted to learn how to be the kind of dad he'd never had. So he enrolled in his local pregnancy center's doctor-dad program, and he began to learn what it means to really father a child. He and his girlfriend eventually married, and they now have a son. And it's because somebody showed up. Someone is answering the pregnancy decision line Right now, someone is giving life-affirming counsel to women and men, like Mario. They call it Pro-Abundant Life for a reason. Find out why by going to chrisfabrylive.org. Click the green CareNet button. I know it'll encourage you. Click CareNet when you go to chrisfabrylive.org today. Drew Dick is with us. We've just been listening to Amy's call about Darcy, who physically held her up. What I don't think you could find a perfect, more perfect metaphor than what you're talking for what you're talking about, Drew. 
<laughs> no kidding. If there are any preachers listening, you have an illustration for this Sunday. Um, that was that was really beautiful. Uh, and talk about a scary thing to happen to you when people are dependent on you, when you have little kids to to chauffeur around and, and to take care of. But I love that because I think, you know, she said Darcy wasn't a great talker. You know, she didn't she didn't have all the answers, didn't even give much feedback. But I'll take a great listener over a great talker any day. I don't know about you. <laughs> um, and so and and yeah, and, and here's here's someone who showed up, didn't know what would be required. Um, but that's the point. Sometimes you have to be there with someone to find out what they really need. And in this case, she was able to help her literally <laughs> and figuratively uh, to hold her up. So yeah, let's all be a little more like Darcy. I like that. Uh, Yvonne said, I had a heart catheterization done yesterday. My best friend from junior high, more than 50 years they've known each other, came and sat with me before, stayed during the procedure, and for a while after I got back to my room. So there is that power of presence as well, somebody who just showed up. Now, you talk about, and this is where you talked about your dad, and I love this chapter, but you talk about plodding, P-L-O-D-D-I-N-G, which is kind of, you know, it sounds a little bit boring, but plodding <laughs> is powerful. Why? Yeah, I just think because all those little steps show up. You're right. It's not the sexiest uh uh, concept, right? Uh, especially these days when we're looking at social media and you see people blowing up and getting famous overnight and making the huge impact. Um, and yet most often the way God works in this world is through our faithful presence, just being consistent. So that's encouraging to me. It's like, okay, you're not going to see a lot of progress maybe, uh, day to day. And yet over time, God uses those little plotting steps to do a lot. And I talk about my dad. He was a great example of that for me. He was a guy who really struggled in school. All throughout school, he goes to Bible college. He feels called to the ministry. The problem is after the first year of Bible college, his grades were so poor that they actually sent him a letter saying, don't come back. <laughs> and he shows up in the fall, you know, against, against their advice and does that every year until he graduates. And man, I'll tell you what, it was worth it because my dad was an awesome pastor. He loved people. He'd go door to door through the whole town and visit everyone. Um, and, and that love for people, you know, was, was more important than any of his academic shortcomings and God used him. But he was a great example of that perseverance, that plodding perseverance that God uses. There was somebody else that he used, and that's your mom, because she she came alongside him at a kind of that vulnerable time and helped him learn how to, he didn't have to memorize everything that he was memorizing, learned how to study, right? That's right. Yeah, no, she was a huge part of it because she's like, he'd study for like hours every night, but he was studying everything. And he was, and she was like, hey, Art, you don't have to know everything, just what's on the test. And so she helped him be a little more strategic. So yes, thanks, mom. That, that, was, uh, that was a huge part of it. You write, when you're a plotter, you won't. You likely won't see dramatic breakthroughs every day. You must be okay with incremental progress, with small and sporadic victories. You must make peace with frustrations and setbacks and delays. We are often wrong about obstacles. They're blessings, not burdens. When you're committed to plotting, you look back on them and see how they ended up helping you along. So it it's it takes again it takes an amount of faith to believe if you're just plotting day by day and you can't see a whole lot of response or progress it takes faith to keep doing that. It does. Yeah, it's an act of faith to do that every day. And I talk to a lot of people who are discouraged, right? They think that you know they go, "Man, my life is turning out differently than I thought." And not in a good way. 
And a lot of people that say, I, I thought I was going to do these things for God, but it feels like God put me on the shelf. And I've been there myself. And yet, I, I don't know what God's up to in your life, as I've often not known what he was doing in mine. But when I look back, I can see how what I was doing prepared me for what I'm doing today. And I look at all these examples in scripture. You look at Moses, man. The guy spent 40 years tending sheep in the wilderness. <laughs> and he was probably thinking, God, what in the world? I was supposed to be this great liberator of my people. And you put me out here in the desert. But of course, God was preparing him. I believe he was humbling him. He was teaching him how to lead. He was teaching him patience. Um, and that would all be instrumental in his eventual calling. So I think a lot of people, sometimes you feel like you're on the shelf, but you're really in training and God's using what you're doing today to prepare you for what's next. And so the important thing is, like you said, it's an act of faith, but you just have to keep showing up, taking the next small step that God's placed in front of you. I've got your next book. It's a, it's a children's book. It's called The Self on the Shelf. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, not just for Christmas either. But, but what you're talking about is, I think it touches the nerve that are, there are a lot of people listening who would say exactly that, or my prayers bounce back to me, God doesn't listen to me, he doesn't care about me anymore, and because they feel like they're plotting and, they're, and they had all these plans and none of them have come true like they thought they would. But the key here, you mentioned Moses, the key to Joseph being able to do the things that he did, you know, later in his life was he was simply faithful every day to the to the dream that God had given him early on and then the dreams that others brought to him when he was in prison. So you can't you don't have to have all this figured out at the moment of of what God is doing, right? That's right. And we don't unfortunately get the 10,000 foot view of our life. That That's God's perspective. Um, and so we have to be faithful in the little things. And you're right. It's all throughout scripture. Even in Hebrews, you know, they talk about, what is it? Chapter 11, the hall of heroes, uh, where it talks about all these people that by faith did these things. You know, you get Noah, he's, he's hammering in nails before there's a drop of rain and he keeps doing it. He can't see what God's going to do through it eventually but he trusts God. And so I think that's why faith is so crucial to this because then you can show up for the small thing in front of you every day, trusting that God's going to use it in ways you can't even imagine right now. Yeah. And so for me, that's inspiring. That kind of keeps me going um, because I know that God is faithful uh, when we are faithful. So even in this, and I want to, and we'll go back to your calls here in just a second. So hang on, if you're on the line, hang on. Um, being willing to take the first scary step toward what you feel God is calling you to do is that, uh, that act of faith. And it might be as simple as, I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call that friend that I haven't talked to in a long time, or I'm going to go sit. And you know that can be presence if you're uh, a halfway across or send an email. But I'm going to go see that person that I have had a struggle with, that, I, that I've heard something. You say, think of what that first scary step is and then go ahead and do it. How do we determine that? Yeah, I think it's different in every situation, but I do think it applies in all areas of life. Whether it's, you know, finding your calling and you feel maybe an inner prompting from God and you've been too scared to do it to step into a new role or to pursue something— think, man, God, what's the, the the smallest next thing I can do as an act of faithfulness? Because I look back at my life and I'll tell you what, God directs me best when I'm moving. You know, when I'm taking steps, I have a chapter in there yes. about finding God's will with your feet. Sounds kind of funny, but what that's what I mean by it. You kind of, we can think, oh, I need to like flip open my Bible to a random verse and God's going to tell me what to do or look look for a sign in the sky. But most often 
God directs us as we move, as we take the next step that he's placed in front of us. And then it's the same with when it comes to your spiritual life. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I got to read the Bible through every year or memorize a whole <laughs> book of the Bible or something. Just crack open your Bible every day. You know, if you, even if you only read a few verses, man, that adds up over time or just spend a few minutes in prayer uh, every day. But if you commit to doing that, it adds up over time and God rewards it. Yeah. I like that. And that takes some of the pressure off too. They have this, you know, this, this plan. I'm, I'm all for plans, like, like you say, but I, sure. I love what I keep coming back to what Stuart Briscoe said a long time ago. You know, what, what is your pillow? How do you do this? Before I, my head hits the pillow, I get my nose in the book. And that was it. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> uh, so he, what, what Stuart was saying is just show up. And that's what Drew has written. If you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, you'll see a link to that book, Just Show Up. Andre said, when I was lonely and depressed, one of my video game friends was consistently present for me, especially when I broke down. He was just available and present, even if it was online. Thank you, Andre, for that call. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. William in Georgia is going to get organized. We're going to send organizing for the rest of us, Dana K. White's book, to him. William, thanks for your support, your gift online. Give a gift of any size. We'll send this hardback book to you. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. And you'll also, if you click through today's information, Drew Dick's book, Just Show Up, How Small Acts of Faithfulness change everything. And they call this, he calls it a guide for exhausted Christians. If you if you're at the end of yourself and you feel like you're not measuring up or that God is strangely silent about your plans and dreams, you don't know what he's doing in and through you if you're just showing up. So it's a really encouraging message. Go to chrisfabrylive.org and you can find out more. Linda is on the line. Linda, why did you call today? Well, <clears throat> for the last seven months, I've been really tore up about my health. <clears throat> and uh, I was getting depressed. I don't like getting depressed. It's a horrible place to be. I started feeling like I was in a very dark place. And uh, I just couldn't handle it. So I prayed to the Lord to send me some help. And within a matter of a couple of days, he did just that. My brother, he's far away, but he called. A cousin stepped up. I had been told that I have breast cancer. And she said, I will not leave you. I will stay with you through this whole thing. And so far she has from day one. And two of my brothers uh, keep, you know, we keep in touch by phone because they both live in different states. My daughter helps. And I didn't really call any of these people. Just somebody said, what's wrong with you? Hmm. And I said, I don't feel good. (laughs) Yeah, I said, I don't feel good. And (laughs) the way I said that, they knew better. And. They have been with me since the first day they found out what was going on. They were there. They were there. And I was so grateful for that. And I'm used to the person to being there for others. 
Right. And as it turned out, my mm. my cousin came up with something, and I was there for her. It it never ends. We're always there for somebody. And I was immediately taken out of that dark depression. I haven't been depressed yet. Hmm. Tired and beat beat up a little bit, but you know I'm still going on. You know. And Linda, I'm there's going to be some folks who are praying for you because you got through and you you shared a little bit of that of your heart and and the situation. But that depression, Drew, you write about that. I mean, you're no stranger to that, the the anxieties of life. That's right. Thank you, Linda, for sharing that. Um, And yeah, especially when you're going through a mental health challenge, sparked in this case by a physical challenge, but having people present with you is, is irreplaceable. Um, yeah. And I, I, I struggle with depression, uh, have an anxiety disorder. Um, you know, sometimes it's better than others, but a couple of years ago I was at a particularly low point. It was right before Christmas. And, um, I remember, you know, I was, I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll figure this out on my own. I wasn't going to tell anyone, but my wife <laughs> texted my brother and said, Hey, Drew's not doing so well. My brother gives me, I get a text from him. He says, I'm picking you up in 15 minutes, uh, drives to my house, get in the car, he tells me his plan. He says, we're going to go and buy a whole bunch of uh, winter jackets and hand them out to people downtown uh, on the streets, to homeless folks. Uh, and that's what we did. We went to Costco. We loaded up a whole bunch of jackets and and spent the night doing that. And I think it was a good thing to do. But honestly, I think our little mission was more about helping me than the homeless. Um, and it was exactly what I needed. I needed to get out of the house. I needed to stop thinking about my own problems and, and, uh, and, and think of others. Um, but it would have never happened had my brother not shown up that night. And I think, you know, like I said before, we often stress out about exactly what we're going to say to someone who's hurting, who's in need, um, what we're going to do for them. But it helps to remember that your presence is usually enough. If you're just there for them, it can do wonders. Father, I want to pray for Linda and what she's going through with her health. You know, all the, you're the great physician. So we pray healing for her. We pray your presence there with her. Thank you for this friend who came alongside her and said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm here. And thank you that you say that to us, that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that your presence is here through your spirit. And I pray that blessing on her and her life and the people that she comes into contact with. Uh, Give her real encouragement and thank you for what she has encouraged us with today on the program in the name of Jesus, amen. Um, I want to end, though, Drew, with that spiritual turn, what I just said, uh, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'm here. I'm, uh, the, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel, mm-hmm. fear no evil because of the presence of God that goes with me. There is something here spiritually that is going on more than a mere presence there's yeah. there's this forgiveness and this relationship that we can have with a holy God. Talk about that. Yeah. No, and I think when it comes to this topic, it's so important to remember that God showed up for us, literally, in the person of Jesus, right? Um, uh, of course, Jesus came to earth to die for our sins, but he also came to show us how to love, and physical presence was integral to Jesus's ministry. You know, we... we endlessly debate what Jesus would say or do if he was walking the earth today. But I think there's one thing that no honest reader of the Bible can doubt, and that is he would be with people. 
right? He, he, he taught with people pressing against him. He touched diseased skin and disfigured limbs. Uh, he had children sitting on his lap. He was with people. And so if we're people who are following him and we want, want to model that incarnational approach, man, we got to show up for people. And it starts because God showed up for us in the person of his son. You know what always gets me about that when we talk about this, and that is here, if, if anybody on the planet who had the weight of the world, who had a right for uh, to have anxiety and how are we going to do this and what are we going to, what's going to happen here and, you know, all of that, it was Jesus. And, and anybody on the planet who had reason to be in a hurry, it was Jesus. Right. And he wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't have this this frenetic, you know. Oh, you got to do this, and you got to get here. It's like day by day, step by step, heartbeat by heartbeat. He just walked with his friends, right? Amen. Yeah, and he was always interruptible. You know, I mean, he was on the most important mission <laughs> in the history of the world to die for the sins of the world to go to Jerusalem, and yet someone comes up and tugs on his robe. Someone says, "My child's sick." He always stopped and he had time for people. And you're right, never had that frenetic or, you know, annoyed <laughs> sense mm-hmm. of people's mm-hmm. needs. And man, following him, it's hard, but it means doing the same. You know, the other thing, and you talk about the disciples that they, you know, they're, they're just doing their thing and they show up and Jesus says, follow me. And they do, you know, but uh, I can think of Jesus spending all this night in prayer and then some of the numbskull things that <laughs> these guys do, you know, and how they often get it wrong and how Jesus could have said, you know, I stayed up all night and prayed for this. I mean, come on, this is, there's got to be. And, and he wasn't that way. He, the, no. the, the, the judgment didn't flow from him to those guys who, who changed. He was in the changed heart business and he allowed those those men to change, and he, he poured into them. And I think we, we learn a lot from that, don't we? Amen. Yep. He, he definitely rebuked them, corrected them, but endless patience, endless forgiveness. Um, he knows that we're all on a journey. So I'm hoping, I know he has the same patience for us. Yeah, he's doing that today. Drew, thanks for spending this hour with us. And for those of you who called, thank you for, for hanging on the line there. Uh, keep writing. Keep showing up in what you do, okay? Thank you. Honored to hear the stories, by the way, and just had a great conversation. Thanks. Amen. The featured resource by Drew Dick, D-Y-C-K, is Just Show Up, How Small Acts of Faithfulness Change Everything, a guide for exhausted Christians. It's really encouraging, and I hope you're encouraged by the hour and the conversation we've had here the Radio Backyard Fence. Always remember Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.